Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. talking about um, the series is still, that God is still moving today. And um, today I wanted to talk about the story of Elizabeth and Mary. And Pastor Josh talked about it a little bit last week, stole a little bit of my sermon, but I'm not going to be mad. So (laughs) you might hear a repeat. Um, So we're going to read in Luke 1. um, But how many of you guys read your Bible this morning? Don't lie, the Lord knows. All right, so that's not a lot of you, so I'm going to help you guys out, and we're going to read a lot of scripture today, okay? And actually, when I first was, like, prepping my message, I was like, I don't know if I should read this much scripture, but then I was like, we're in, no, like, we should read scripture in church, you know what I mean? Like, why is that awkward? Okay, so we're going to read, and if my daughter, who is a year and a half, can listen to me read this, you guys can listen to me read it, okay? All right, so it is Luke 1, verse 5. Through 45, okay? Now, uh, get your Bibles out. I'm just awkwardly saying that so that I can get to where I need to get to. Um, Okay, so here we go. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's um, commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple with his order, when his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a crowd, um, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right, um, to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. I always love when the angels say that. It's like you're terrifying, obviously. Okay, so God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give, give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the way for the pe- uh, the, prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. I mean, he's very right. Then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Um, It was he who sent me to bring you this news. But now, since you didn't believe... (laughs) I love this part. What I said, you, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my word will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Ooh, he told him, didn't he? Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence 
that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind... This part always gets me. I might tear up a little bit. How kind is the Lord, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Okay, it's okay. We got this. I'm pregnant, so I'm very hormonal. (laughs) So the next part, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's um, pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. (laughs) Confused and disturbed, Mary tried um, to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. That is a really good greeting. I mean, I wish I'd get that greeting. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel's kingdom forever. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary, ooh, hold on, I started highlighting something. Um, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Oh, pure, perfect Mary. Um, The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, that will be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative um, Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Mm, that's good. Man, there's so many things I could be preaching right now, but I'm not. I'm just gonna hold off. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's a good response, Mary. Okay, so Mary visits Elizabeth. This is the last part, I promise, guys. Okay, so a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. He entered the house and greeted, sorry, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your children are blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the you believed that the Lord would do what He said. It's a good way to end, right there. So, um, this story I love. This is probably one of my favorite stories, not just in the Christmas story, but in the Bible. I love how when you read the story, there are so many miracles inside of miracles, right? Um, there's a song that always reminds me of. I don't remember who it's by, but it's called Miracles. I think it's, I think it's Maverick City. Apparently y'all have heard it. Okay, good. So the lyrics are miracles on miracles, a million little miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. And like, how, how much is that our lives? I think a lot of times we miss miracles because they're small. We think they're small, but it's still miraculous, right? So when Jesus came, Jesus came to make all the wrong things right, right? So that includes, you know, that's healing or that's your depression or that's your hopelessness. He came to make those things right. And we see that in this story. We see a lot of things that aren't right, made right. So the first miracle, we're gonna talk about three big miracles. I'm sure you can guess what they are, but (laughs) we're gonna go in depth about them. So the first one is that Elizabeth got pregnant, right? This is amazing because in verse 24, it said that, um, 
hold on. This isn't amazing because of that verse. It's just, this is just clarifying. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. And when I read this, I think, why did she go into seclusion for five months, right? Like, wouldn't you, if the Lord just did something so miraculous in your body and you've lived, so you have to also kind of take into consideration where she'd been living in the times that she was living in. In these times, you having a kid was proof that the Lord was blessing you and that you had favor in his eyes. And so for years and years and years, the word says that she's righteous in God's eyes, but in people's eyes, she probably wasn't. I'm sure that they talked about her behind her back, talked about how she wasn't righteous, wondered why the Lord wasn't letting her get her favor, her, be favored in his eyes, right? And I love that it says that she's righteous in God's eyes. A lot of times we, we wanna be righteous in people's eyes, but I would much rather be righteous in God's eyes. And it, see, and it, and it appears Elizabeth did too. And so um, when she went into seclusion, part of me like wonders, why did she do that? But as we can see, well, you probably can't see, I'm pregnant. So um, <laughs> I am five and a half months. And around like five, six months is when you really start growing and feeling the baby move. And so part of me is what, like wonders if she waited until she could show people like this, look what the Lord did for me, right? Like, isn't that so sweet? Um, and so part of why this is so amazing, and it's kind of obvious, but she couldn't get pregnant for years. So whenever in these times, they would get married really young, like 14, 15. And so if she got married at 14 or 15, she was, it says she was very old in age, okay? So she was probably not like your 50, 60 year old. She was probably like 70, 80, right? That is a long time to go without being able to get pregnant. And so the Lord, even if it was like 10 years, that's, even if it was five years, that's miraculous, right? Something was wrong with your body and then the Lord made it whole. But she had been trying for years and years and years and the Lord did it for her, right? The next thing that's miraculous is that she was past childbearing age, okay? So we're all adults here, right? Okay, except for a few, but we're, we're gonna be very mature here. There was no way for her to be able to get pregnant, she did not have what it took for her body to get pregnant, okay? So for her, I'm sure that even having a child was not even on her radar at this point because she's like, I can't even do it anymore, you know? I prayed and prayed and prayed while I could. Now my body can't even do it. You know what? It's fine. But the Lord did it for her afterwards because it was like, there's no questioning that this is the Lord, right? Um, and so... I also love that everything that the angel prophesied to Zechariah comes to pass. You obviously have to continue reading further on in scripture, but everything foretold about John the Baptist, which I'm sure you've, most of you have heard of John the Baptist, came to pass. Um, and then the last thing is that John the Baptist was, he was preparing the way of the Lord before Jesus was even on here on earth, right? So the Lord allowed Elizabeth to get pregnant with John before Jesus. And I think it was because he was starting to prepare the way for the coming king. Luke 1, 17 says, and he will go before the Lord. This is speaking of 
John the Baptist. This is the prophecy given to Zechariah. In the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to the children to their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I feel like the Lord was already doing that when he allowed Elizabeth to get pregnant first. But I also feel like it was so kind of the Lord to allow Elizabeth to get pregnant before Mary. Um, she even says it in Luke 1, 25, when she says, how kind the Lord is that he has taken away my disgrace of having no children. I love that verse. But he allowed Elizabeth to be pregnant enough to show to, I think, I don't know this, but I have to assume that he allowed her to be far enough along to feel the baby move, to be able to know that she had life in her before Mary came. And I don't think she'd be any less happy because these people had been praying and longing for the coming of their king for years and years and years. If you don't know this, um, Malachi is the last verse of the uh, last book of the um, Old Testament. And then once, you know, the story of Jesus comes, that's a, like a 400 year gap. It's not that the Lord didn't speak. I'm sure he probably did, but none of it's recorded. And these people are longing for the Lord and the coming of their King. And I'm sure Elizabeth would be elated that Mary got pregnant. But I feel like I can kind of relate to this, to her possibly being like, I'm so excited for you, but you're 14. <laughs> you're not married <laughs> and you're getting this amazing blessing. But that's not how the story went. The Lord was so kind. He allowed Elizabeth to have a baby who made the way for the savior. And the timing was perfect, right? Like the timing was perfect. The Lord knew what he was doing. And if he, if he would have given Elizabeth John any earlier, it, the timing wouldn't have been perfect. And so clearly the Lord is in the business of opening wombs. We see it right here. Now, here at Overflow, I told you guys that I've been here since day one. So about five years ago, maybe a little less. Hold on, let me catch my breath, y'all. I'm pregnant, I can't breathe. <laughs> my head is like way up here right now. She's like kicking me, so. Um, <laughs> okay, I think I got it now. So um, about five years ago, we were all praying and Pastor Josh felt the Lord tell him that overflow would be the house of the open womb. And then a few years, uh, or a few months later, my husband and I felt the Lord telling us to start trying to grow our family. And so we tried and we started trying in like the end of August. And by the end of the year, I think like seven or eight people were pregnant and we did not have this many people in the room. So clearly that was a word from the Lord, but I wasn't seeing it in my body. So time goes on, a year passes, we still can't get pregnant. And if you've never dealt with infertility, I'm gonna tell you a little secret. Most doctors don't take it seriously until you've been trying for a year actively and you can't get pregnant. So we hit our year mark and it was kind of like, oh wow, like, okay, I probably, something is going on here. So we didn't see a doctor. We just kept like, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and trust the Lord. And um, we hit the almost two year mark. And I was like, okay, we, I probably need to see a doctor and see what is going on with my body because I just want answers. Because it's almost harder to just live in limbo than for a doctor to just tell you like, okay, this is what you need. And for me, I was terrified. Like as a woman, that is the one thing that I can do differently than a man. 
And I felt just like less of a woman, I think. Um, and I had told Nathan, like, I'm really scared to do this. And Nate was like, no, he's the most positive person in the world, first of all. So he's like, no, it's going to be great. Then we're going to know what to pray against. And I'm like, well, slap me in the face, why don't you? Um, (laughs) And so I went into it kind of with that mindset. You know what? Whatever the doctor says, it doesn't matter because I know the healer, right? I know that whatever I'm dealing with, it is not the first time that the Lord has ever encountered it. It It's probably not the first time that he's ever healed it. He's healed and he's going to do it again, right? We're talking about how he's still moving today, right? And so I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to make my appointment. So I made an appointment with the doctor and I chose one who specialized in endometriosis because I was pretty certain that that's what I was dealing with. Um, We had family history of it. I had all the symptoms, um, but I just wanted to get it confirmed. So I, um, before I could even go into my appointment, because if you don't know, specialists take forever to get into. So I, it was like a two month, it was like a two month wait, which is actually not that long, like for a specialist. So as we're waiting, the prophet Ron Campbell, who came a few weeks ago, he came to the church. Now at this point in my life, I'd never gotten a prophetic word and Nathan had gotten 6,542. And so I was like, Lord, I am a, I love you. And I would love a word. But if you don't give me one, it's okay. I still love you, but it would be really nice. And so we go into that service and Ron starts prophesying to me. And I'm like, this is my moment, y'all. Um, and so, so he starts prophesying and he's confirming things that like I'd stepped out into having nothing to do with trying to get pregnant or anything. And I was like, that is spot on. Yes. I'm crying. You know how it goes. Everyone does when you get a prophetic word. Okay. So I'm crying. And then he's like, can I pray for you? Sure, I would love for you to pray for me. So he starts praying for me and he starts saying things like, you feel like you're just a good mom and a good mother. (laughs) Sorry, I laugh because I kind of did laugh whenever he said that. I was just like, you're like, I know you hear from the Lord, but this is not on, like, I can't even get pregnant. Like, how can I be a good mom? And then he stops and he looks at me and he's like, wait, you don't have any kids yet. And I'm like, no, that's all I said. No, crying, you know. And he he says, immediately, he starts like praying against infertility, telling endometriosis by name, y'all. When he said endometriosis, I said, Lord, take me now. I can't do this. I was a mess. And he called it out by name. And so for me, I was just like, at that moment, I was kind of like, okay, Lord, like as as somebody who's dealing with something like that, you just feel overlooked, especially in a house that's full of fertility. You just feel overlooked. And so for me, I just felt so seen. And I'm sure that's how Elizabeth felt. Finally seen by the Lord, finally known by the Lord. And so I would listen to that recording every day. I was like, Lord, you said it. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. And then a few weeks passed and I was not pregnant. And I was like, okay, it's okay. You're still gonna do it, right? You said you're gonna do it. And I had to go to my fertility appointment because I wasn't pregnant yet. So I go to my fertility doctor and she pretty much says, I didn't even tell her like what I thought I had. I just told her all my symptoms. She was like, it seems like you have endometriosis, but if you don't know, um, endometriosis, we have a a lot of scarring on your uterus. And so they can only fix it by surgery. And she's like, I don't wanna 
have you have surgery if you have other things wrong. So we're going to try all these other things to make sure there's nothing else going on. So I'm like, okay. So, but I, but again, if you're dealing with infertility, everything is by the day. It is getting pregnant is a miracle, first of all. So like, it is like on this day, you have to come in on, you have to call me on this day so you can come in. It's specifically on this day at this time so I can check this and Oh, it's so stressful, honestly. Like, and then they tell you don't stress and you'll get pregnant. And you're like, you're stressing me out by telling me all these things. Okay. But anyways, that says that has nothing to do with my story. <laughs> Just a side note. So then, um, I go to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, I'm late. So I take a test and for the first time in my whole life, like I'm telling you guys, I was the person that people came to for tests. This time, I don't have one at this point, okay? I'm like, really, what are the odds, God? So I go to the store. The only test that I can take is one that says pregnant or not pregnant. I literally laughed out loud. I was like, ha really? Like I need to hear that I'm not pregnant or see that I'm not pregnant after two years. So I go to take the test. I come back and it says pregnant. And I'm like, oh. Oh my gosh. So I'm on the floor crying because I'm a dramatic person. And Nathan's running around our bedroom like, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Our dog's going crazy. We're so excited. We call all the people we need to call who have been praying for us, which is a lot. And I sit on, I remember like sitting on the edge of the bed that night with Nathan and just telling him like, man, the joy that I feel in this, mor- this moment far surpasses any of the sorrow that I felt when I was dealing with all of this. And it's hard to like, ex- like think that way when you're in it, but man, like, th- and I can, I can just imagine how Elizabeth was, right? Like years and years, like I only waited two years. That's still a long time. Like you tell people that and they're like, wow, that's really hard. She waited a long, lot longer. So I can imagine like how excited she was when the Lord did it for her. So this is, this is not the end of my story. I'm going to tell you a little bit more. So then time passes. I have my baby. She's wonderfully healthy. I'm sure you see her running around like a wild child around here. Um, and so um, I, the Lord had said, I kept feeling the, the Lord remind me that in that message, he didn't say I was just going to get pregnant. He said that I was going to be healed of endometriosis, right? So I was like, okay, but like maybe you just let me be okay so that I can have this baby. Like you maybe you just wanted Isabella here right now. And I felt like the Lord was like, I told you, I healed you of endometriosis. So there's, again, no, really no way to tell unless you start, you know, we're all adults here having your cycle again. So um, time goes on, I start, and I used to have to carry around pain pills. Like people who know me well know, I had a bottle of prescription pain pills and I had to take them my entire cycle because it was so painful. I couldn't even work without it. And so we were in Mexico on a vacation, clearly did not have any medication, had nothing. And I was like, oh no, this is gonna be a disaster. Like this is gonna, I'm gonna be in so much pain. I'm not gonna be okay, but I had no pain. Okay, so then the next month comes, same thing, no pain. And I'm like, okay, but maybe it's a fluke. Like maybe this just, these two were okay, but like maybe the next one's gonna be bad, right? Same thing, next time, nothing. And I remember texting, I think it was Sarah and Pastor Leslie, and telling them like, oh my gosh, like I am healed. Like I don't have any symptoms that I have endometriosis. And then the next month um, I was late again. And so I just took a test flippantly and there was like a small little positive. And I was like, oh, what? Like we, we weren't, we, that was not on our radar. Let's just put it that way. So I was like, 
okay. Um, so Nate gets home and I'm like, you're going to need to go buy some more because I need to figure this out. So he goes home or he goes to the store, buys me some more, but I'm like, I'm going to wait till the morning. So I wait till the morning. I take the test and I had Nate look because I was like, I don't want to see no. I just, just you go look. So he goes and looks and he comes back and he's like, we're going to have a baby. And obviously here's the baby. So like I was freaking out. And the best part of this story is that we found out that we were pregnant with this baby that I have on my belly right now on the two year anniversary that we found out with Isabella. And yeah, it's so sweet, so kind of the Lord, right? And Nathan even said it as I was leaving to go to work that day. He told me how kind of the Lord that he allowed, he allowed you, or he, how kind of the Lord that he showed you that you didn't have to work for this one. I said, again, slap me in the face. Dang, boy full of wisdom over here. No wonder he has 6,757 prophecies to his name. And so, (laughs) just kidding. So um, I say all that to say, the Lord is still moving today. Like I am, I'm living proof. My children are living proof that God still heals and still works miracles. And so, um, wow, guys, I got through that without crying. I'm so proud of myself. Okay, moving right along. So then that was the first miracle that we see, right? The second is that we see that Mary becomes pregnant supernaturally. Now, it's amazing that Mary gets pregnant supernaturally, but what's more amazing is the prophecies that are fulfilled in her getting pregnant. Okay, so Pastor Josh talked a little bit about this. Remember I said he stole a little bit of my sermon? This was it. Um, But it's okay because he went more into depth. I'm just going to touch it lightly. Um, So the first prophecy. So when I was going through this, I only went through the prophecies that were fulfilled in like the angel just telling Mary that she was going to get pregnant. So the first one is that Jesus would come from a virgin. Okay, so Isaiah 7, 14. That is in the Old Testament, so that is going to be foretelling or prophesying the coming of the king, right? So this is talking about Jesus, um, but obviously Jesus is not here yet when this was written. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is fulfilled in Luke 1, 34. When Mary, Mary tells the angel, she says, how can this happen? I am a virgin. Okay, right there. I feel like when I'm like looking at scripture and finding like prophecies fulfilled, I feel like an investigator, like a private investigator. Um, <laughs> so maybe just look at it that way when you're reading, you're digging through scripture. But um, so it's miraculous because I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's fine. Um, Elizabeth hadn't done, or Elizabeth didn't have what it took to get pregnant, but Mary hadn't done what it took to get pregnant. So in both circumstances, it was, there was no questioning that the Lord did it, right? Um, And I feel like the Lord had to use a virgin, an unmarried virgin, because if you're married, you could be like, is that really God's son? You know, like you could, you could put two and two together here. Um, But there's no questioning because again, in this time, not only were children like favored, purity was held at the utmost, which our society needs to do better. But I'm just saying, but like your purity was here. And so for her, that was her concern, but, but I don't, I'm a virgin. Like I, how can this happen? And um, so then the second prophecy that's fulfilled kind of ties in with that is that Jesus would come from the line, the line of David. 
So this is talked about in Psalm 89, three through two. It says, um, you have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. That's talked about again in Luke one, when he says you're going to be a king forever, right? Your son's gonna be a king forever. Now, something that is so interesting about this is that um, who held the lineage to David? It wasn't Mary, it was Joseph. And so what is also miraculous is that the Lord trusted that Joseph would stick around with an impure woman, right? And to me, I'm like that, how much, we talk about how great Mary is, but Joseph, he chose to stick with her. He chose to continue the, like that prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled if Joseph hadn't stuck with the plan, right? And so I think a lot of times, um, Sorry, UPS is trying to tell me something. Um, so I think a lot of times, <laughs> sorry. Okay, get on track, Brooke. Um, with Joseph, man, I was telling a good word. Come on, Jesus, help me out. So with Joseph, he chose to stick around. And I think sometimes like we forget that we have free choice, right? Like the Lord has allowed us free choice, but he, it's so beautiful that he trusts us. But we're like, it's easy to sometimes choose what he has for us because it's so much better than what we could ever imagine. I'm sure Joseph looked at his options and he's like, man, imagine like the scrutiny we're gonna get. Imagine X, Y, Z. But he understood the promise was so much greater than that. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, that, that's about Mary's being coming pregnant. That's for the, the prophecy fulfilled. Now, when we look at these two women, you know, a lot of times, like when I read scripture, I'm like, these people are amazing. What God is doing is so amazing. But if you really like look into their lives, they're sinful people like us. And I love that God likes to use common people for an uncommon purpose. And we see that in this, this storyline, you know, Elizabeth and um, Zechariah, they were just doing life. They were, they were a part of the priestly order. They were doing what they were called to do. And the Lord blessed them. Mary, She's a pure little 14-year-old, probably excited for her wedding. The Lord blessed her. And there was nothing so magnificent about these people. They're just like you and I. They love the Lord. But the thing is, God needs nothing from us. He needs nothing but a willing heart to do the miraculous. And I think we a lot of times think there's all these hoops we have to jump through or we have to do X, Y, and Z before the Lord's gonna bless me or I have to be like this person or I have to do this. No, all he wants is your willing heart. And he, he will move on a, with a willing heart. And um, I talked a little bit about this a second ago, but both births were supernatural. Elizabeth, like I said, she didn't have what it took to get pregnant. Mary hadn't done what it takes. And I think it kind of is reflective of our walk with the Lord sometimes that it's never too late for us to allow the Lord to fill us. And it's in your, and there's nothing that you need to do before the Lord will fill you. And um, I already talked a little bit about that, but I think that a lot of times we just forget that it's not about me, right? It's about my willing heart, sure. But like the Lord is always willing, yes. right? It's not like, oh, if I do this, now he's gonna be willing. He's always willing. It's when we're willing that he starts to be able to move in the miraculous. Um, 
And we see in scripture, and obviously I feel like I can talk on this because I dealt with it, but time and time again, we see the Lord move. Um, we see him open barren people or fill barren people. And barren means lifeless. It doesn't just mean physically lifeless, but spiritually lifeless. You're not producing fruit. So he can fill, sure, if you're dealing with infertility or you've had a miscarriage and you don't have your womb full right now, he will move and he will fill it. But if you aren't fully surrendered to him or you aren't producing fruit, he wants to fill you. And he wants to be able to give you true life, right? Because the word says that he, in John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He came to bring life, whether that's in your womb, but he definitely, definitely came to give you a new life and to fill you with a, with a new spirit and a new, like take your flesh and make you new. And so that's kind of the, leads us into the third miracle that we see. And that's, it's that John was filled with the Holy Spirit inside the womb as a baby. So <laughs> Luke 1 41 says, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was to fill, full, this was to fulfill the prophecy given to Zechariah in verse 15. And it says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, Luke 1, 15. And then again, we see that Elizabeth is filled a little bit later with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm kind of a nerd, okay? So I did a word search because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't lying to you guys. But the word filled or was filled that is used in these two scriptures is the exact same word that is used in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit fills the people in the upper room, right? And that's what we look at in scripture and we say, this is when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the earth, right? It is the same, the same way that Elizabeth and John were filled with the Holy Spirit is the same way that the people in the upper room were filled with the Holy Spirit. So why is this? Well, the only reason that it happened is because Jesus had entered the scene, right? Pastor Josh talked a little bit about this last week. He stole my punchline, but it's true. The only way that Elizabeth and John could have been filled with the Holy Spirit is because they are the first people who had encountered Jesus. Because it says a few days after Mary got told that, she went up there. Only a few days later. It wasn't like months and months later. A few days later. I mean, I clearly know I've had two kids. Jesus was inside of Mary like physically, atomically, very tiny, right? <laughs> but he was there. He was there. And he, in his presence and his power was no different then, no different then than it was in the upper room, right? And so when Jesus came, he came and he brought the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in several scriptures. I could honestly have given you a list of probably 20 scriptures, but I'm just gonna give you a few. So the first one is, John 14, 15 through 17. This is Jesus speaking to the people. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. And so something I forgot to talk about is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there, 
clearly, but he would rest upon the people. When Jesus came, he made a way for the Holy Spirit to live in us, right? So now we didn't just get the Holy Spirit when we needed him. We have the Holy Spirit with us constantly. So anytime that you need him, Holy Spirit is there, right? And so um, the next scripture we see is Matthew three eleven, And I chose this one because it's John talking about Jesus. And I thought, that's pretty cool because we're talking about John and Jesus. So John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me because he's preparing the way, right? After me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals are not worth, or whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So that's a promise, right? And we see that, again, we see that in Acts 2, that Jesus did that, that the Holy Spirit did come and he filled the people. Still today, he is doing it. Again, this whole thing is talking about Jesus, or it happened then, it's still happening today. So anything I'm talking about, he did it then, he can still do it today. And so um, I'm gonna start closing up and we're gonna do some ministry time. But before we do, um, what I'm gonna have is we're gonna pray for two things today. The first thing that we're gonna pray for is for um, people whose wombs are empty physically. That like me, you dealt with, you've dealt with infertility or you've dealt with miscarriage and right now you physically don't have anything in your womb. Um, before we start ministry time, I was looking for a scripture and you know how at the beginning of scriptures there's titles? So the title of this scripture, and I thought this was so perfect for this message, it says the promise of the Lord's presence, okay? And it's Exodus twenty three twenty six. This is a promise from the Lord, right? There will be no miscarriage or infertility. Hold on. <laughs> there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land, and I will give you long, full lives. That's a promise from the Lord. And, and it says that that's a promise of the Lord's presence. So he is here with us, and it is a promise that you do not have to live in that.